Welcome to the BG Podcast, conversations at the intersection of business, community, and public policy from the Austin metro and around Texas. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com slash podcast and on iTunes and Google Play. Hello, this is AJ Bingham and welcome to the BG Podcast. Our guest today is Tyson Tuttle, the CEO and president of Silicon Labs. Welcome to the show, Tyson. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, I think we first connected a few months ago when you when you hosted uh, an event um, on behalf of the city, and it was related to an upcoming bond election, right, and with mobility. And we'll get a little more into that when we're talking about tech communities, engagement, um, just in Austin, specifically in, in the community. Before we get there, I want to get a little bit of your background and your path to CEO, and then what Looking Labs is involved in. Well, I, I first moved to Austin in 1992. Uh, when I got out of college, I was at UCLA, and and uh, moved here, first job, and uh, worked at Cirrus Logic for, for four years. Moved back to California for like a year, but then joined, came back and joined Silicon Labs uh, when there were only 10 people in the company. We, mm-hmm. we had an office at 7th and Congress, and then uh, you know, started there, startup, venture capital funded Austin Ventures. And it was founded in 96? It was right? 1996, mm-hmm. and I joined in 97, okay. and we were working on the first products. I'm, I'm an engineer uh, by background. And uh, so got those out. The company went public in 2000. We were selling into the PC market, you know, back when modems and that, you know, dial-up modems. Uh, we, we 56K took, and all that. Yeah, we were like 50% of the market. Yeah. On it. That's what took the company public in 2000. And uh, then we got into the mobile phone world. We were integrating a bunch of the, you know, the radio stuff in the front ends of those and built that into a, a substantial business, uh, but ended up actually selling that in 2007. So that was, that was kind of a challenge. But then we went after like diversifying the company, and uh, so I, I had been in different roles. I was in engineering, and then in marketing and product management. Started a group doing radio and TV tuners, mm-hmm. and so that was fun. Uh, so like eighty percent of the flat panel TVs in the world have the the receiver in there is 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 ours, and uh, built that business. But then once we sold our cellular group, we we actually focused in on like more industrial markets mm-hmm. and high speed communications. So we went after, uh, you know. The big internet backbone, you know, things that are going into the data center and connecting up all the high-speed, uh, you know, telecom uh, type things. So that became a good business. We we worked on a bunch of uh, when you interface to the phone line, you have to deal with high voltages, but there's a lot of other things. So we went into this uh, isolation technology that went, goes into now a lot of the electric vehicles. So like the Tesla. So when you're dealing with the battery pack or the onboard chargers, you need to have these types of components in there, and that's a great trend. I mean, you look at you know green energy and the electrification of our vehicle fleet, that's a really nice yeah, there growth are cer- vector. I know there are certain, uh, some of the auto brands are making dramatic shifts out, I mean, full or fully into electric as, you know, in the next few days or next decade or so. Yeah, I mean, you look at what's going on in China and then, you know, Volkswagen. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was uh, what I was thinking about. Uh, they, they're investing $26 billion in, in battery technology and, uh, you know, building factories and, and really changing the way cars are built. and. You know, I think Elon Musk did a great job of, yeah. of showing us what's possible, but now all the big companies are coming along. And so that's, that's a great business. And then we were, you know, we were kind of pioneers in integrating all of this, this radio technology onto silicon and, and realized that, that you know, with mobile phones and the cloud and the internet and all that, that really everything in our lives and in our economy is, is going to get connected up. So we started mm-hmm. focusing on the internet of things back in like 2010. Yeah, and, and that's a term I, I mean, I think, it's it's been around and it's kind of almost, 
very, kind of almost like AI, right? Like you're here, even I've, I've been hearing it, I'm 36, been hearing it probably the last 15 years in different you know, capacities, yeah, right? AI is getting now rolled out. In fact, in yeah. the IoT, there's, there's intelligence that's going all the way at the edge, which is really exciting. And what is the edge? I've heard, I've heard of edge, edge to edge. The education. edge is, is the sensors and all the devices that, that hook in. So okay. it's, it's can you make it? Give me a, uh, like you know, like a, a consumer example, like a thermostat or a door sensor, like a Nest or something like that. Or? A Nest would be an edge device. Nest thermostat, right? So right. things that would hook to your Wi-Fi network or things that would hook to your phone, gotcha. or that would hook into the internet uh, in general are, are technically the edge, the clients. Gotcha. And that's where you know you had the PC was the first hundred million unit market, and the, the mobile phone was the first billion unit market. The Internet of Things is going to be the first 10 billion unit market okay. per, per year in annual sales. And these are fairly simple devices that are sensing and controlling things, but they also need to be smart. Mm -hmm. And once you get something hooked up and connected, you know, just like your phone, you get updates on your phone and you get new, new uh, features and technology or upgrades to security. That same sort of thing is going to happen in smart cities and smart homes and smart factories. and throughout like large swaths of our economy. It's funny on the software updates because really it's not just your phone anymore. It's or your it's really your smart your smart computer, right? Not even right. your phone. I mean actually your but phone like, is right, <laughs> more powerful but, than but your yeah, it's, it's your watch, it's your I mean your car. Right. right, you know, it gets if you have a Tesla, one of those, like, you know, it gets software updates. I mean, yeah, so it's, every, it's every once threaded. in a while it kind of messes up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it's like threaded and everything, right? So it's just yeah. it's interesting. I mean, you think about uh, the you know the Ring phone uh, mm -hmm. for your your the home. Yeah, doors. Amazon is one of our big customers. Yeah, and Samsung and 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 all of these guys. But you know, the, the the devices just keep getting more and more functional, and it really creates all these really exciting new business models that you know. Like for instance, if, if in, a, in a, let's say you own a lot of apartment buildings and you want to minimize your insurance cost, you would put sensors in to detect water. And if you have a water leak, then you send somebody out to proactively deal with that instead of dealing with the loss on the back end. Mm -hmm. And there's just thousands of examples. Even for cities too. Or we were, cities. Yeah, there was you know, a you look at, at traffic or parking. Or, or even water. I mean, or, I mean look at our, our, with Austin's water issues a few, uh, man, a few months ago too, right? Like just being able to monitor the quality of the pipes. Right. right. Or, or at the end point, you know, at the homes to be like, for instance, I've got a, a, a smart sprinkler system, a, a Rakio, and it knows what the weather is and it dials back and it can actually cut your water consumption in half. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, you know, it's smart enough to know, okay, rain, don't water. You know, you can very easily control it no matter where you are. And so that type of functionality, you know, a lot of us think about, about it, you know, in terms of the stuff that you can go to Best Buy and install. But, you know, when you start thinking about commercial buildings or factories, uh, that those same sorts of concepts get rolled out. The, the challenge for us is that, I mean, we're do, doing all of these chips and semiconductors that go into that, but it's also, there's a lot of software and you got to go all the way from the silicon all the way to the cloud and you've got to enable apps and make that really easy for people to use because you, you know, if it, and, and also you've got tens of thousands of customers that you mm -hmm. have to support. So the, the diversity uh, of, of those markets becomes a real challenge. But, you know, I mean, engineers like solving problems, yeah. right? <laughs> and as long as you kind of can, can comprehend, uh, you know, the challenge that you got, uh, you know, a lot of times there's a lot of innovation that can be applied to, to, to um, solve those problems. Just because we are some of a policy show, too. So what just with this... The, the the pace of innovation, I think, in, in, in the Internet of Things, especially when we get to like the home use, right? So with, um, like, for example, Amazon products or Google, Google's voice products, right. right? And the, I mean, it's almost 
the kind of the pace at which we went from not having a lot of electronics besides your phone in your home to now basically a bunch of eyes and ears willful in your home. Have y'all, I mean, you're on the chip side mainly, but have you, do y'all kind of weighed in or been asked because your expertise in this market about some of the regulatory concerns with it? I, I know those have come there, up. There are a lot of level. things in terms of privacy and in terms of security that get into, you know, regulations globally. Mm -hmm. you know, so you've got a lot of trends in Europe where, where they're coming in. They're actually, you know, leading on a lot of these things. And, you know, once a large market institutes kind of those types of regulations, then kind of the rest of the industry will follow. Like the EU wanna, or? Exactly. Gotcha. You know, GDPR and, and some of these things in terms of like where the data is, who can access the data. You know, you, in medical applications, for instance, you've got a lot of privacy things that you've got to na navigate through. But at the same time, you want to be able to, you know, develop smart devices that can actually help improve outcomes and save costs. Right? Yeah. So it's, there's, there's always this trade-off between privacy and ultimately security and making that cheap and easy to use and, and uniform is one of the one of the key things that you gotta you gotta worry about there. So just I think we kind of where do you think we are right now in terms of the, inter the internet of things, right? We might have talked about that just a minute ago in terms of we know we see it on the consumer side. It's in our cars, watches, homes, right? I mean Instead we are living now, how far are we ahead I guess how we're you know, the ten year projection of where we could go. I mean you look at the last ten years and, and let's let's talk about the how much more connected the world is now mm -hmm. and how that's changed our economy and society over that time. I mean, you've got, you know, the mobile phone, you've got uh, Uber and Lyft and, you know, delivery, you've got Amazon, and this is disrupting large swaths of the economy, mm -hmm. you know, from transportation to retail to energy. And that's creating a lot of challenge, you know, both at the municipal level, the federal level, uh, in terms of uh, retraining the workforce. I mean, the scary thing in some ways is, is uh, you know, it used to be in our parents' generation when you had industrialization and globalization and the internet came along. These things happened gen in generation sort of timeframes. Now the change is happening so fast. You know, so you say, you know, what, what's going to happen in 10 years? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's going to be even more dramatic than what happened in the last 10 years. That's fair. I, you know, I was, I was with a friend on the weekend. I was joking that, okay, I'm, I'm 36. I remember, um, you know, seeing, I was a baby, I was like five when the Challenger explosion happened to going from that to, you know, remember, remember getting the internet, getting dial-up AOL or Prodigy. Remember those, for those who remember that back in I'm the 90s. I do, I, I still have my username, I still use my username, right, just kind of stuck. But. One of my friends just logged into MySpace the other day and they said it was like a time warp. It was like, I mean, you know, one, everything was from 10 years I found, ago. I found my old AOL email, like, geez, like, you know, just, anyway, so you, you go from that to dial-up to get, you know, I got a, I got a, I remember my, one of my buddies had, there was the high tech, he had a Star, a Star, -tack, Star yeah. Trek phone, StarTac phone, a Motorola phone, the and the, the clamshell, yeah, yeah. and, and our freshman year, since 97, that was, that was the end all, right? And then I got my little, a little Nokia, um, those indestructible ones later on, but that was it. And then, you know, even in college, right, it was, you had AIM for AOL, Messenger, but, you know, the and then Gmail hit, right? And, and all go, that stuff pace. didn't, you know, the, it's, been, it's been, you know, slow, steady progress. But it's been, my point was, just, I guess, the, how fast it happened within like a decade from, from when I started high school in 97, the 2007, that span of time, um, I remember getting my first iPhone, the iPod came right, out. Right, I mean, that time. was basically and the social. And the iPhone came out, and yeah. now look at what's what our smartphones can do compared to women. I mean, I could record this whole show on my phone, right? I mean, like <laughs> if I want, like it's just exactly. an edit and everything else is crazy. I mean, the phone, your these mobile phone, your mobile platforms really are just. I mean, it's it could be a studio for me if I wanted it to. Absolutely. It's it's crazy the pace. So I agree. It's just 
you know, it kind of it boggles my mind where we could be in 10 years, given where things are going now, where it seems like something new every day. I mean, you look at some of the trends, you know, and you mentioned AI before, but, you know, the, the facial recognition mm-hmm. and, you know, license plates and, I mean, you, and you look at what's going on over, you know, in China and things like that. No, I mean, there's just right. a, lot of, uh, a lot of development of making things smarter. And a lot of this is also going to be, you know, it's not just you know, the gig economy or something like that, but it's going to be actually replacing jobs, mm-hmm. right? You know, if, you, if it's a transactional job, I mean, between robotics, I, to, I toured, actually, if anybody out there wants to do something cool in Austin over a weekend, sign up for the Amazon factory tour mm-hmm. and go down, and, or the, the fulfillment center tour. Is that down in San Marcos? And they've got, there's only 1,500 people there. They've got like a, a million items and it's robots all over the place. Delivering stuff, and it's like you look at that, and it's like, wow, you know, where is where is the technology going to take us, and what does that mean for the types of jobs uh, and the type, you know, the education system that we need to have, and how do we prepare ourselves for that kind of a future? Because mm-hmm. I, I don't believe I'm actually really bullish and optimistic. I think that the connectivity and the intelligence that we're delivering is going to really improve people's lives. But at the same time, you know, if you had told farmers a hundred years ago that you know, there 80% of the population was farming. And today, 4% of the population is farming. If you had told people, hey, you know, automation is going to replace, you know, almost all of the farming jobs, people would have freaked out. Yeah. Right? But in the end, it freed up people to go and work on other things. But you've got to make sure that people are prepared and our kids are prepared for what's coming next. Mm-hmm. And, and those changes, you know, people will change jobs multiple times and even careers multiple times in their lives. And so how do you help people? I mean, you, you look at... I'm involved with uh, KLRU, and we're moving from UT over to ACC and the Highland Campus, and you look at what they're doing over there, and it's, it's a great resource, but there's, there's a lot more work that needs to be done to make sure that that's you know, accessible and available to people. Yeah, I always think about just the jobs. I, mean, I read out, see those articles about kind of lamenting on the jobs we're going to lose, or those articles, you know, in 10 years, all these industries are going to be eliminated, but it doesn't talk about what's going to, what replaces those, right? It's always... I, mean, I, 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 I think I'm somewhat bullish too, and like there's, I believe in you know kind of our at least American ingenuity to think of you know kind of like a better word hustle and find that next angle for something right. So you know no more if it's you know cars always need tires right. So where's the market for that? And people want secondary tires. I mean there's always at least in my business I feel like there's always an angle if you kind of think it through right and don't just look at what's presented like oh I guess it's over right there's always there's, something to there's look always going to be something new yeah at least for the people yeah. I mean maybe it's the entrepreneurs out there they'll figure <laughs> they'll right, I mean, figure it out I mean in the end in some ways you know I mean look at the unemployment rate in Austin is 3% mm-hmm. you know I bet that 10 years from now you know the population is going to keep growing but the economy here is really dynamic and and there's going to be things to do but we need to make sure that people have the right skills for those jobs mm-hmm. in the future. And that gets into all the tech stuff and software and STEM and all the work that, you know, uh, you know we're, we're trying to do that as a company of trying to work with the tech community and work with, you know, the community organizations to, to help push things in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's not just one company or, you know, even the government that can do everything. It's like everybody's got to understand the importance of that and, and kind of get together to, to make a difference. Well, that's a great segue to our next point. Uh, talking about just the you know, the, the the evolution involved the involvement of uh, the Austin tech community and and uh, the greater kind of civic life and community life here. And again, how we first met was at um, you know, an event that you hosted at your headquarters downtown here re- regarding a, a an upcoming bond election for transportation. 
And so just you know, your time in Austin in the tech community, where have you seen the, the level of philanthropy, whether I mean, everything from giving of time to giving of dollars go from 97, 96, 97 to present? And then where do you think it could go compared to markets you visit, your peers in other cities? Yeah, so I mean, you look at the Austin, just Austin, I mean, when I moved here, it was, you know, barely over a million people. Now we've got two and a quarter. By 2040, we're going to have four million people in the metro area. And you look at the tech companies that have moved in and, and have thrived here. I mean, you've got, you know, Capital Factory and a lot of startups. Uh, you know, there's a lot more software now. Uh, you've also got outposts of a lot of the Silicon Valley, you know, the, the exodus from mm-hmm. Silicon Valley from the taxes. The big G, and, big A. And, and uh, yeah, and, uh, you know, the, the, the taxes and the, you know, the lack of affordability out there. And, and the, the thing, we got, we got a big challenge to make sure that we don't just import those problems here and kind of replicate that. And, yeah. And figure out how to, uh, you know, and, and I think that that really gets into how do we engage with the tech community. I mean, I'm on the Austin Tech Alliance. Uh, and working with with those folks, um, and you know, it, it's it's engaging and also encouraging other companies. I mean, we do a lot of volunteer work. We you know we we uh, we since day one we've given one percent of our profits to uh, uh, you know back back to the community. You know, financial grants. We also do a lot of volunteer time. We had like 2,500 employee volunteer hours that they actually recorded. And I think that's probably undercounted by a factor of two or three. We do corporate match. Uh, you know, we have all of our C-level executives are on, on boards, nonprofit boards in mm-hmm. town and try to like, you know, get involved in those organizations and help them, help them get better. Um, you know, we're partnered with the Austin Community Foundation uh, we, we actually just won an award. The uh, you know the, the Chamber of Austin gave us a, an award for community relations and and, and all of that sort of stuff, and, and also uh, some other recognition. But that's not what it's really all about. Right? Yeah. It's about it's about trying to make Austin a better place and also to, to lead the community in the right direction. And, and especially these outposts of the you know Silicon Valley companies, you know, with Google, Apple putting fifteen thousand people here, Oracle. To make the connections there, because the leaders of those companies are not necessarily here, yeah. but to make them understand, and, and, and a lot of the things that they're doing in the Bay Area or in Seattle, you know, those are larger places. We're facing a lot of those same things. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. Yeah, I know, like with Google, there's an example. Uh, probably, I don't know when they did this, but I think it was in this year, but they invested heavily, if not outright, in purchasing and developing some affordable housing mm-hmm. in the Bay Area. But it's interesting too. I mean, I guess the level of these, the size of some of these companies, because there are outposts here. But you know, we're we're downtown. Our, the main group of offices, but right across the street, is where you know Google's main headquarters is going to go for Austin anyway. And right, we were the, we it's, were it's the a first tech company to come down. Yeah, in yeah. 2006, and now Google's putting a 35-story <laughs> building next door. Yeah. <laughs> but in the sense of right, the scale of these companies. I mean, they're outposts, but they're in Austin. They are. They are fast becoming foundational in the way that I think you know historically it's been the it's been UT here it's been you know, you know the government the state government here that have really been the pillars of keeping you know Austin's economy um, relatively insulated from like national trends. Yeah, but you but, know, the, but the tech, tech is going that way too. Really well, that's what I mean. It's just coming fast going, that right. yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's coming that way because I remember again I was in high school in the late '90s when kind of the Dell and then the, start, the first kind of tech boom in Austin, second tech boom because Symmetech was late 80s, came on 
if I really saw it kind of blow up then, you know, figuratively, well, figuratively and literally, all that, yeah. And then, so seeing that, but even then it wasn't seen, it didn't feel like as threaded in as it is, like it's here, it's here, here, right? It touches right. everyone's life in a way that, you know, I think uh, it hadn't before. But because of that, I think it's saying, okay, it's foundational and just how, you know, how is it long-term going to thread in, right? Because it can't exist in a bubble. I think most companies, real. I mean, I think com the companies outside of yours too realize that and I mean, are starting to find ways. This is the second largest site for Apple, mm -hmm. right? Outside of Silicon Valley. Yeah. Putting a billion dollars and, you know, and, 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 you know, I think transportation, we talked, you know, we, that was where we met was at a transportation event. But, you know, you look at, uh, you know, I think in the past, Austin has said, okay, if we don't build it, people won't come. And then you, you, yeah. you, kind, of, <laughs> you kind of get into a mode where it's like, actually, we didn't build it and the, the people came anyway. They've always come. They've always and, come, and right? in some ways, that's caused Austin to uh, kind of rethink and, and got, you know, we have gotten more density. We've got the code next or whatever it's called now. The, I was told, it's because my, actually my show, the show that was posted today on uh, September 4th was, uh, was with uh, Anique Baudet, who's the overall lead for the land development code revisions, right. I was told, because I don't get slapped in the hand, <laughs> the land development code revisions, that's where we're going with now. But I mean, that's, you know, that you're correct. That's a, uh, there's hope for I mean, that. That's a, that's a piece to it, because we've got to be able to, uh, to build, uh, you know, things that are affordable. And, you know, as, as more people come here, you, we've got to invest in the infrastructure and transit. I mean, we had the bond issue, you know, to rebuild the corridors, but now we've got to, you know, in 2020, we've got uh, to finally, I think, do something about you know our our mass transit system, you know, with 2000 was a missed opportunity, and uh, you know having the dedicated lanes and giving people a true option uh, to get people around uh, is going to be critical. I mean, being downtown, we're kind of you know in the middle of the nexus of all that, but you know as the city gets bigger, we've got to make the critical investments, and I think that the the mayor and the and the council and Cap Metro are doing a good job of really bringing in the community to kind of okay, here's the technologies and here's, here's the solution that we're thinking, but it's, it's really critical. And I think the tech community uh, get, needs to get behind that as well, because that's, you know, that really helps to, to drive affordability and quality of life in, mm -hmm. in Austin, which is why we're, you know, uh, you know one of the, the cornerstones of, of, of being here and, and, and really part of why Austin has been so successful. Yeah. Tyson, thank you for your time. I'd like to get back to running the company. I think you're about to take a flight today. So uh, I'm, I'm headed out to Europe. Safe, safe travels, safe travels, and hopefully get some sleep in the plane. And, and I'd love to have you back on the show in the future. All right. Thank you, thank you very much. Thank you for listening to today's BG Podcast. You can find this episode and prior recordings at www.binghamgp.com podcast and iTunes and Google Play. Subscribe to stay current on future posts.